Willkommen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Hello, Dolly! I stand for motherhood, America, and a hot lunch for orphans. Take off your hat, sir. Betsy Ross's flag is passing. Do you see him on the hill at Gettysburg? Need that great triumphal arch. If you see him as he's trampling through the grapes of wrath, stand up and march, march, march. But first, how are we doing? I hope you're doing well. Look, I want to jump right into this week's subject. It's such a big show. There's so much to cover, but I just want to say right up top, I hope you're doing well. I hope that your loved ones are doing well, and I just want us all to agree. Let's get on the same page regarding a certain subject. Let's just all agree that none of us are going to watch the Grease sing-along on CBS. CBS has decided that they are going to air a Grease sing-along on the night that the Tony Awards were initially meant to be broadcast. We still don't have any sort of plan for the 2020 Tony Awards ceremony, and apparently the only decision that we have made is that we need a Grease sing-along, as if as if Grease has not seen enough airtime coverage, however you want to put it, I think we can all agree that this is a terrible idea and we need to cut it out when it comes to the quarantine sing-along shit. It is, it's Armageddon, it's dystopia entertainment, and I will not accept it. I think we need to reject it outright. And if you're anyone, if you're anything like me, <laughs> you'll agree with what I'm saying. Okay, enough with that. We really do need to dive right into this week's subject. Hello, Dolly. Let's get the show facts regarding Hello, Dolly. Show me the show. Halifax Dolly. Dolly was a 1964, the 1964 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on January 16, 1964 at the St. James Theater and ran for 2,844 performances. It is currently the 20th longest running show in Broadway history, sitting snugly between Tobacco Road, Tobacco Road, at number 19, 3,182 performances, and My Fair Lady at number 21, 2,717 performances. The book of Hello, Dolly! was written by by Michael Stewart, and the music and lyrics were written by Jerry Herman. Dolly's roots can be traced back to John Oxenford's 1835 one-act play, A Day Well Spent, which was adapted into a three-act musical play in 1842 by Johann Nestroy. The title of Nestroy's play for the record is Juk will er sich machen, or He Will Go on a Spree, or He'll Have Himself a Good Time. Thornton Wilder's The Merchant of Yonkers, an adaptation of the Nestroy play, premiered on Broadway in 1938 and ran for 39 performances before being rebranded as the matchmaker for the 1954 Edinburgh Festival. This revised version of the show, the piece, moved to Broadway in 1955 and ran for 486 performances. Shirley Booth 
Anthony Perkins and Shirley MacLaine starred in a 1958 film adaptation of The Matchmaker before it served as the basis for Michael Stewart and Jerry Herman's musical, the play The Matchmaker, I should say, the film. I don't know if that was necessarily used as a big point of reference for the show. Anyone need a breather? Anyone need to take a little water break, huh? Maybe take a trip to the water cooler? Do some sit-ups or anything? Okay, we're all rested? Okay, fantastic. The director of the original Broadway production of Hello, Dolly was Gower Champion. Uh, here's a bit of trivia for you. Hal Prince, Jerome Robbins, and Joe Layton all turned down that directing job. Uh, well, well, there you go. The musical director was Shepard Coleman, the choreographer, Gower Champion. Hello again. Scenic design, Oliver Smith. Lighting design, Gene Rosenthal. Sound design, Robert Maybaum. Costume design, Freddie what up? And the original Broadway cast included Carol Channing, of course. The show opened just shy of Carol Channing's 43rd birthday. Channing also starred in the 1978 Broadway revival of Dolly when she was 57, the 1979 West End revival when she was 58, and the 1995 Broadway revival when she was an astounding 74 years old. The original Broadway cast also included Eileen Brennan, David Burns, Jerry Dodd, Alice Platon, Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, Charles Nelson Riley, the poor man's ball end. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking with you, Charles. Ken Ayers, Gordon Connell, Igor's Gavin, Amelia Haas, David Hartman, John LaPrade, Sandra Lee, and Bonnie Mathis. Now, the role of Dolly Levi was written for Ethel Merman, who turned it down. Mary Martin also passed, though both wound up playing the part. Martin on the West End in 65, and Merman on Broadway in 1970. Nancy Walker auditioned for the part, but Channing won out in the end. Other notable performers who have played Dolly include Edie Adams, Eve Arden, Pearl Bailey, Disney fans would know her as Big Mama in The Fox and the Hound. Uh, shout out to all you Disney nerds out there like me. Dora Bryan, Betty Buckley, Carolee Carmelo, this is an ABC order, I should say. Thelma Carpenter, Carol Cook, who starred in the original Australian production. Alan Cordner, Alan, Alan Cordner, I apologize as always, uh, Alan, Yvonne DiCarlo, Phyllis Diller, Anita Dobson, Rosita Fornez, she premiered in, oh, she starred in, I should say, the Havana Cuba production, Lucia Galan, who starred in the Buenos Aires Argentina production, Betty Grable, Nani Griffin, who starred in the Toronto Canada production, Libertad Lamarck, who premiered the, okay, I keep saying premiered, Jesus Christ, she starred in the Mexico City. Okay, this was the first Spanish-language production of Hello, Dolly! in the show's history. This was in 1967 in Mexico City. Okay, I got my words in order. Let's move on. Dorothy L'Amour, Danny LaRue. Okay, so Danny LaRue was a West End. He starred in the West End, a drag performer whose impressions included Elizabeth Taylor, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Judy Garland, Margot Fontaine, Marlene Dietrich, and Margaret Thatcher. Okay, more on him in the show-related ephemeris segment. We will be getting to Danny LaRue, that I can assure you of. <laughs> Michelle Lee, Hannah Marin, the original Israeli production. She was the star of the original Israeli production. Bette Midler, Ann Miller, Donna Murphy, B.B. Osterwald, Bernadette Peters, Sylvia Pinal, that's another Mexico City production. Martha Ray, Ginger Rogers, Daniela Romo, another Mexico City production. Samantha Spiro and Sally Struthers, otherwise known as Babette on Gilmore Girls. I know she has other credits, but I know her as Babette on Gilmore Girls. In 
November 2019, Imelda Stanton was announced as the star of an Adelphi Theater production scheduled for August 2020, but I'm not aware of its current status. Everything's up in the air, as we all know. I imagine her Dolly would be quite acerbic, a little more rude than you would expect from a Hello, Dolly. That's my prediction. Tony nods. Okay, so the original Broadway production of Hello, Dolly won the following Tony Awards. Best Musical, Best Composer and Lyricist, Jerry Herman. Best Actress in a Musical, Carol Channing. Best Scenic Design, Oliver Smith. Best Costume Design, Freddie Whittup. Best Choreography, Gower Champion. Best Director of a Musical, Gower Champion. Best Conductor and Musical Director, Shepard Coleman. Best Producer of a Musical, David Merrick. And Best Author of a Musical, Michael Stewart. It was additionally nominated for one other award, that being Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Charles Nelson Riley. So 11 nominations, 10 awards in total. Sorry, Charles. Womp womp. Hello, Dolly and South Pacific held the record for most Tony Awards won in a single season for 37 years before being dethroned in 2001 by the producers, which took home 12 Tony Awards. Oh, hello, the producers. We've covered you in the past. We're familiar with your work. Now it's time to get the plot summary for Hello, Dolly, and who better to provide such a summary than Dolly herself? That's right. You've heard her on the show twice before. This is her third appearance. She was great gracious enough to record this for us, so please take it away, Dolly Levi, take it away! Hello, hello, it's me. Oh, Dolly Gallagher Levi, the pleasure is all yours, I'm sure. Oh, now you do old Dolly a favor and sit your fanny down. We can't have you skittering about like a Spanish dragonfly on the rag. I said park it, Buster Brown, and zip those salty lips, you hear me? Are you married, mister? Actually, never mind, I've been out of the romance business for years. Speaking of which, I hear you're interested in the plot of my musical. Well, it all starts at the dawn of the 20th century. Oh, oh, oh. The people of New York City were all abuzz because I, Dolly Gallagher Levi, was back on the scene. Back on the scene after an altogether epic period of mourning. More on that in a mull. Do you know what they used to say about me back in those days? They would say Dolly Levi is a damned hustler. Oh, for a fee she can teach you how to do just about anything. She can teach you how to dance, how to strum the mandolin, why she can even educate you in the ways of love. Oh, oh. And it was true. I was a matchmaker, the best in the business. Why, well, I dare say I tripled the population of this fine country with my romantic machinations. But the toughest nut I ever cracked was Mr. Horace Vandergelder. Oh. Horace was what we in the business like to call a fucking dick. Irritable, ignorant, a total sexist oinker. But here's the thing about Mr. Horace Vandergelder. He was rolling in it, baby. Cash. I'm talking about cold, hard American Robert De Niro. So when Horace hired me to pair him with a bachelorette, I made a vow to snatch up the fool for myself. I was a widow back then, you understand. My sweet husband, Ephraim, had died several years prior, and and once my period of mourning came to its natural end, I decided to get back on the horse and ride it straight to the bank. That's not to say I only loved Horace for his money. 
I certainly didn't love him for his personality, but I suppose he was cute in a rumpled, hairy prune sort of way. You ever hit upon one of those hairy prunes when you're rooting through the barrel? You ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, never mind. Oh, this story of mine involves a number of young people. People who needed direction while navigating the roads of life, and I was there to give it to them. To begin, there was Ermengarde, the long-suffering niece to Horace Vandergelder. Oh, the thing about Ermengarde is she never stopped crying. You couldn't do so much as sneeze or fart without her falling to pieces. I'm not kidding. I let one rip during high tea, and Ermengarde wound up in a Pennsylvania sanitarium for a month and a half. Oh. Fortunately, the child caught the attention of an artist named Ambrose Kemper. Unfortunately, Horace positively hated Ambrose. Oh. He refused to hand Ermengarde over to a man who, in his mind, stood no chance of earning a living. How did I get Ambrose and Ermengarde together in the end? Never mind the details. Just know I made it happen, and I did it with flair. Did I mention Horace owned a hay and feed store? Oh, forgive me, the hat on my head weighs 47 pounds and features a set of 16 taxidermied grouse. But yes, Horace owned this dusty little feed store all the way out in Yonkers, and in his employ were two young clerks, Mr. Cornelius Hackle and Mr. Barnaby Tucker. Now, am I getting those names right? You'll have to excuse me. I'm an immortal, and everyone in this story has been dead for over a century. The worms made a feast of them long ago. I'm not the only immortal to appear on this podcast, am I? Oh, surely not. Now, I always felt Cornelius and Barnaby were perfect for each other. They had a charming frog and toad dynamic, and I had several talks with them about the benefits of homosexuality. Alas, these boys were determined to live in denial. They swore they had never once fallen into bed together, though their soiled trousers told a different story. Oh. No, their attentions were fixed on the promise of adventure, the thrill of a day spent on the streets of New York City. And so one day they chose to commit a minor act of domestic terrorism. They blew up a bunch of tomato cans and used this as an excuse to close the store and take a field trip to the Big Apple. An inexplicable plan, to be sure, but I never asked them about it. I assumed it was related to their pent-up homosexual urges. As it happens, Horace and I were also on our way to New York City. Providence, more like Dolly Dents. Horace was determined to marry a woman by the name of Irene Malloy. He would not shut up about it. And I adored Irene. I really did. I did, I did. She ran a downright scrumptious hat shop with this sprightly gal named Minnie Fay. You'd be hard-pressed to find a finer pair of ladies. I always felt Minnie and Irene were perfect for each other. They ran a hat shop, for Christ's sake. They were constantly obsessing over ribbons. And, of course, there was the night I saw them having sex with each other. In my experience, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to solve a certain kind of mystery. Sadly, Irene and Minnie refused to free themselves from the shackles of heteronormative dogma, and so I sought to match them with Cornelius and Barnaby. Was I successful? Yes, I very much was. Everything worked out splendidly. Horace was furious, of course. He couldn't understand why Irene was no longer a prospect for him, or why we couldn't turn a street corner without running into his hapless homosexual clerks. 
So I said to him, I said, Horace, you must calm your nerves. Oh, with my luck, you'll have a heart attack before we even make it to the altar, and I'll be a widow twice over. And he said to me, what the hell are you talking about, Dolly Levi? I wouldn't marry you if you had a thousand breasts. And I said to him, oh, what a bizarre thing to say, Horace. And don't you worry about it, because I would never accept a proposal from you anyway. I tried setting him up with Ernestina money, but Ernestina was a bore, and I knew they'd never hit it off in a million years. Look, I'm not a wicked woman. I wasn't rooting for them to fail as a couple, and I don't screw around with men for the fun of it, either. It's just... Well, you can't come right out and ask a man for a proposal. It's unseemly. Sometimes you need to back them into a corner and make it clear they have no other options. Ask any butcher in town and he'll tell you a steak isn't fit for eating until it's been tenderized, pulverized. My story came to a head at the Harmonia Gardens restaurant, where I'm not afraid to say everyone adores me. In their eyes, I'm an honest-to-God institution, a treasure. I once told the maitre d' a Mr. Rudolph Reisenweber. I told him I was coming in for a light lunch, and when I arrived not twenty minutes later, one of the waiters imploded right in front of me. Poor kid blew up like an Italian meatball stuffed with firecrackers. Needless to say, Rudolph paid for my dry cleaning, but I'm getting off track again. So there we all were at the Harmonia Gardens, Cornelius, Barnaby, Irene, and Minnie at one table, and Horace and I at another. This took place well after Horace's date with Ernestina. Money went south, by the way. Needless to say, there were shenanigans plenty at the restaurant, and we all wound up in Night Court. <laughs> night Court, me. Can you imagine? Oh, I'll never get over it. Which is funny when you consider I made a satanic Dorian Gray pact on my 35th birthday, and that rolled right off my back. Anyway, of course, I convinced the judge everything we had done had been done out of love. And so he let us off with a wink. Well, no, I suppose Horace did spend the night in jail. Oh, you should have seen him the next day. He swore he would never speak to me again. But, of course, he came crawling back before all was said and done. By this point, I wasn't sure if I wanted to marry the grouchy old goat, but my long-departed husband, Ephraim, sent me a sign right then and there. Just as I was about to walk out on Horace forever, he spat out a chestnut I hadn't heard since Ephraim had been by my side. Horace said to me, Oh, Dolly, money is like manure. It's not worth a thing unless it's spread about encouraging young things to grow. Well, I'm not afraid to say I love it when a man talks shit. And so, of course, I married Horace Vandergelder on the spot. But what happened to all of our young couples, Irene and Cornelius, Barnaby and Minnie, Ambrose and Ermengarde? Oh, I have absolutely no idea, and I absolutely do not care. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to examine an old painting I have rotting away in the attic. Sort of a nightly ritual for me, understand. Okay, ciao, Bella, manja, manja. Oh, this is Dolly Gallagher Levi saying, ah, 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 Thank you very much, Dolly. Now, if you'll remember, Dolly...
making her first and second appearances on the podcast, you might wonder, you might think to yourself, eh, she sounded a little different, a little different in this third appearance. Well, I'm here to tell you that Dolly Levi recently underwent vocal surgery, vocal cord surgery, so if she sounds different, maybe, you know, maybe just don't worry about it. Maybe don't nitpick these appearances, these return appearances. You know, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, for another example, has appeared on the show twice. And he sounded very different between his first and second appearances, remember? Okay, so I, I didn't hear anybody nitpicking that. So maybe we should just, you know, Dolly's, you know, Dolly's a huge icon in the world of musical theater. So maybe I'm just trying to ward off any, you know, any strange feedback we might be getting. You know, Dolly doesn't really sound like herself. Okay, why don't you just calm down? Let's move on to our research sources for the purposes of this week's episode. I listened to the 1964 original Broadway cast album. The edition I own includes bonus tracks showcasing the work of Mary Martin, Pearl Bailey, and Ethel Merman, as well as segments from an interview with Carol Channing. Those interview segments are wonderful, very candid and loose. She was recording the audiobook for her 2007 memoir, Just Lucky, I Guess. Should we start a musical man book club is the question, huh? Should we read Just Lucky, I Guess? Uh, no, probably not. I have too much on my plate already. <laughs> Trivia time. The OBC album topped the Billboard album chart on June 6, 1964. It was pushed out of the number one slot one week later by the Louis Armstrong jazz album, Hello, Dolly! At 62, Armstrong became the oldest artist to top the Billboard pop chart with his version of the show's title song, thus interrupting a 14-week streak of number one hits by the Beatles. One such hit, Can't Buy Me Love, was featured on a 1964 Ella Fitzgerald album. The name of the album? Hello, Dolly! We had Hello, Dolly Fever! <laughs> Producer David Merrick was inspired to change the name of the musical to Hello, Dolly upon hearing Louis Armstrong's version of the tune. This likely would have been when the artist was recording tracks in 1963 prior to the show opening on Broadway. The musical had previously been known as Call on Dolly, bad, and Dolly, a damned exasperating woman, also bad. I also listened to the 1967 Broadway replacement cast album. This album, which I'll routinely refer to as the Pearl Bailey album for future reference, represents what was, in 67, the newly instated entirely black company of the show. Bailey played Dolly, of course, and Cab Calloway played Horace Vandergelder. They're both delightful, but what makes Calloway a standout is how he manages to make Horace sound hot as hell. No offense to every other actor who has played this part, but I only understood why Dolly was drawn to Horace when Calloway was in his shoes. Do not give me a reedy, whiny Horace Vandergelder. We've seen it. Instead, give me one with the brusque baritone of a Cab Calloway. Pearl Bailey would go on to star in the 1975 Broadway revival of Dolly, which also featured a black cast, though it only ran for 42 performances. This came as a total surprise as the Broadway community adored Bailey back in the 60s. They gave her a special Tony Award. You'd think they would have turned out for her proper star turn. Was it a matter of been there, done that? I'm sort of mystified by that short run. I also listened to the 1995 Broadway revival cast album. This is a weird one. As I mentioned earlier, Carol Channing returned to Broadway in her 70s for this revival, and the results are less than stellar. It is not 
Channing's fault, to be clear. She is doing her damn job, and everyone else sounds like they're being piped in from an episode of The Truman Show. Stiff, yet eager to please is what I mean to say. Relax, people. Bringing an icon back to Broadway is nice and all, but... Well, the road to hell and all that, am I right? This album does not make a case for itself and should only be of interest to Miss Channing's most dedicated fans. Everyone else should feel free to skip right over it and move on to the 2017 Broadway Revival cast album, which I also listened to. I listened to all four of these albums in a single day, so it came as a relief to learn Bette Midler and Dolly were meant for each other. Midler is locked in and having a blast, displaying a level of cheek that calls to mind her days at the Continental Baths. Oh, I'm sorry, were you not at the Continental Baths in the 1970s? I was. I'm 65 years old. Have I never mentioned it? Anywho, the 2017 album is delectable. To review, if you only listen to one Dolly cast album, make it the 1964 original, but if you have an afternoon and the inclination, make a buffet of it with the 1967 and 2017 recordings. 95 you can do without. There are better ways to honor Carol Channing than sitting through what is essentially an ABC recreation of an old sitcom. Now let's talk about Tony Award performances that I watched. I watched the performance of Put On Your Sunday Clothes and So Long Dearie from 1968. We begin with Carol Channing's gleeful introduction of Pearl Bailey and the Broadway Replacement Company. Let's hear that now. Did this ever happen to you? Did you ever have a very favorite dress and you gave it to a friend and this friend took it home and she shortened the hem and changed the buttons and dyed it another color and the next time you saw this dress you were completely bowled over with how great it looked i mean not that it didn't look good before but a few changes here and there and it had a whole new life well that is exactly what happened to me and not too long ago and i want for you to see it too ladies and gentlemen I am proud and excited and happy to present tonight the new company of Hello Dolly and my dear close friend, Miss Pearl Bailey. to Sunday Clothes, for which Gower Champion has staged an astonishing promenade. Every member of the company appears to be floating across the stage, and I cannot get enough of their footwork, their timing, their precision. I could watch the promenade on a loop for a solid hour. It's the sort of magic I need in my life right now. The crisp quality of the promenade eventually gives way to a more mundane stage picture, a lot of standing about. But once Bailey takes the stage, the audience goes crazy, and why wouldn't they? Bailey's the best. She wraps you around her finger with little more than a grin and a bump of the hips. Dolly is a character pulled right out of the burlesque scene, saucy and self-aware, and Bailey slips into the role with ease. For others, it ain't so simple. We'll get to you, Danny LaRue. I see you vamping over there. We will get to you. Following her performance of So Long, Deary, Bailey is presented with her special Tony Award by none other than comedian Jack Benny. His intro is charming enough, but I want to jump straight to Bailey's acceptance speech as it nearly made me cry on a Sunday morning. I've been doing a lot of almost crying lately. Let's hear it. Not too good at speeches. But once I start, of course, then I never stop. 
but I, you know, I must tell you, I was sitting back then, I thought, if anything wonderful happens in my life, what will I say? And I can always only be honest, horribly honest. I feel so surrounded by love. And if I'm so surrounded by all that, what can I do but tell you, I love you too. I love you very much. I also watched the 2017 performance of Penny in My Pocket by David Hyde Pierce. There isn't anyone on this planet who isn't a fan of David Hyde Pierce, but wow, does this feel like a plan B on everyone's part. Bette Midler was at the ceremony. She accepted the Tony Award for Best Leading Actress in a Musical, so why wasn't she performing? Was she tired over it? America deserves answers, damn it. Slapping a mustache on David is not an acceptable substitute. Regarding the 1969 Barbara Streisand film, I have seen it several times, and it is for this reason I chose to bypass it this week. A rewatch would have been unnecessary. I know how I feel about that film. Louis Armstrong has a cameo, which is sort of fun. Michael Crawford's performance as Cornelius, not so much. Not a lot of fun. Not a fan of his thin, wimpy vocals and how he drains every ounce of humanity from the character. Cornelius is a goofball. I accept that. Goofball can be goofballs, can be attractive. Shrieking wingnuts are another matter. I don't see how Irene could be attracted to someone who should be in a straitjacket. Fun fact, Hello Dolly was the first film to be released on VHS all the way back in 1977. Another fun fact, Walter Matthau, who starred alongside Streisand, told her she, quote, had no more talent than a butterfly's fart. Quote, seems like an especially obvious bit of projection on his part, as Streisand is a joy to behold in the film, and Matthau can do little more than frown. He looks like a gigantic, wrinkly Benjamin Button baby man. They have zero chemistry. Poor Barbara. Poor Barbara may as well be flirting with her father for two and a half hours. The OBC album opens with an abridged version of the overture, which is presented to the listener as a prologue, making the Pearl Bailey album the first to include the overture in its entirety. And what an overture! It's practically bounding out of the orchestra pit and into our hearts. This idea might be for the birds, cheap cheap, but if I were to affix my handy dandy conical director's cap to this noggin of mine, I would stage a miniature promenade during the overture, have it take place in front of the curtain, showcase the costumes and choreography early on. Doesn't this seem like a fabulous way to highlight the ensemble before we meet our leads? I agree. I am very smart. Tell me, Mrs. Levi, what's in all this for you? A living, Mr. Kemper. Some people paint, some sew. I meddle. I have always been a woman who arranges things for the pleasure and the profit it derives. I have always been a woman who arranges things 
like furniture and daffodils and lives. When a man with a timid tongue meets a girl with a diffident air, why should the tortured creatures beat around the bush when heaven knows Mother Nature always needs a little push? So I put my hand in here. I put my hand in there. That was I Put My Hand In, the number which serves as Dolly's entrance into the show. What am I now, a radio DJ? Oh, if only, what a dream. Carol Channing's voice is like warm butterscotch. Warm, (laughs) I just said that, warm, rich, and positively loaded with sugar. I spent years of my life casually overlooking that voice and only now have come to appreciate all of its qualities. The coy croak she applies to like furniture and daffodils and lives. A total scream. Let's pause for a second and meditate on the canon's most distinct and instantly recognizable voices. Eartha Kitt, Elaine Stritch, Ethel Merman, Carol Channing. Has anyone ever sounded like these women? Of course not. They are one of a kind and deserve to be praised accordingly. Speaking of Elaine Stritch, oh my god, wouldn't you love to hear Carol Channing's take on the ladies who lunch? I tried looking it up to confirm if it existed. It does not. The mind reels in the face of what could have been. For some of you out there, this is going to ring as the most obvious of conclusions, but we're only covering Hello Dolly once, and so this must be stated on the record. It Takes a Woman is nothing more than a slowed-down version of a song from Jerry Herman's Mame, that song being We Need a Little Christmas. Let's hear both of the songs back-to-back, starting with, well, We Need a Little Christmas came first, so we'll do that first, and then we'll follow that up with a clip from Hello, Dolly's It Takes a Woman. For we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Candles in the window, the spirit yes we need a little christmas right this very minute it hasn't snowed a single flurry but santa dear we're in a hurry so climb down the chimney soft dressed in fingers for dumping the ashes See what you did there, Mr. Herman. Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. But I don't begrudge Herman for cribbing from his own work. Besides, Dolly is such a step up from Mame, it makes the latter look like a warm-up, so why not reuse an old melody if it means it's going to be, you know, elevated to greater, greater heights, greater success? Various takeaways from the albums I tackled this week. The OBC version of It Takes a Woman sidelines the ensemble, putting them to the far left and right of the mix. It's a bad choice. It's a weird choice. One the Pearl Bailey album doesn't choose to repeat. We gotta have those fellas front and center, I say. The reference Horace makes to leaky plumbing... Uh, no thanks. It's disturbing. I want to make sure I mean my feelings on this crystal clear. I do not need Horace talking about 
his leaky plumbing and how he needs a woman to fix it. Weird, weird double entendre. Not a fan of it. I love how David I. Pierce delivers the line, a husky woman. He essentially says it as a husky woman. It's so completely and predictably him, and I wouldn't have it any other way. David is America's dandy, and we need to protect him with all of our might. Ermin got stop sniveling. Don't cry on the valises. Ambrose, let me hear that tiny chord. Ah, lovely, you're improving. Now get all 11 pieces. We're seven minutes late. Oh, boy. forgive me as I seem to have misplaced one of my stamps. I have this big collection of personalized self-inking stamps. Very expensive, very nice. And one of them is my great song stamp, but I've lost it somehow. It's quite annoying if the stamp were not lost and in my hand right now. I would, of course, Mark, put on your Sunday clothes as a great song, Kachunk. It's one of the best musical theater songs ever written, to be precise, and when Carol Channing shouts, all aboard, and we go into that final chorus, I'm gasping over here. The 20... <laughs> I'm gagging, queen. The 2017 album slows that final chorus down ever so slightly, but the sense of propulsion is still there. It's not lost, and I'll take any excuse to live within this part of the song a while longer, so I can't fault them for the decision. A big note from John Pernasek, theatrical director extraordinaire. Put the mandolin player on stage and have them go off. In fact, the mandolin player should be a fiddler on the roof figure. I want them in the mix as much as possible. Is it a mandolin or is it a banjo? Dolly talks about mandolin playing at a certain point. I, right? Uh, it might be a banjo. Whatever. If I had my way, the entire orchestra would be tramping about on stage. But I can see how this would be <laughs> a little too costly. To clarify, I don't want actors doubling up as musicians. We all know I'm not a fan of such gimmickry. I simply want, I simply want visible musicians in some capacity. And while we're on the subject of me and what I want, when is that not the subject of this podcast, I've decided I need to play Cornelius so I can shout my face off. The actor playing Barnaby would be deaf. He would hate my guts. Listen, Barnaby! Oh boy, I would place my hands over Barnaby's eyes and wiggle my fingers on the lyric, close your eyes and see it glisten, Barnaby. Why? Because I'm an actor who makes brave choices. A few of the cast albums go out of their way to remind us all of Barnaby's catchphrase. 
which is pitiably, holy cabooses! Not a fan. I would not accept the role of Barnaby if it was offered. The only other musical theater character I know of who has a catchphrase is Zanita Shin from The Music Man, her catchphrase being, ye gods! Yeah, not a fan of that either. If anyone could come up with other musical theater catchphrases, please reach out to me. I need to confirm if they're all this irritating. I'll be wearing ribbons down my back This summer Blue and green And streaming in the yellow sky So if someone special comes my way Making your way through four cast albums in a single day takes everything you got. Even when the subject is a stone cold classic like Hello Dolly. And for a while, Ribbons Down My Back was proving to be the show's Achilles heel. Minor Achilles heel, but in a, uh, it's a heel nonetheless. My inner monologue kept producing the same cynical thoughts. This song is too sleepy, it's slowing the show down, and who in their right mind would want to play Irene? She's boring. If I'm ever in the market for a droopy spinster ballad, give me uh, my white knight. Give me a good night, my someone. The Florence Lacey version on the 95 album did nothing to soften these initial criticisms, these complaints of mine. How do I even describe that version? It's Hornier, certainly, but it's also eerie. I kept expecting women in torn pantyhose and bowler hats to appear out of the shadows and act as Irene's backup. I appreciated how Lacey was approaching this song from a new angle, but it still felt like an unwanted and overly languid break from the action. Then, Kate Baldwin appeared on the 2017 album, and suddenly I was back in the classroom getting schooled. Oh, so Ribbons wasn't working for you. Huh? 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 Well, get a load of this. That's Kate Baldwin talking to me. Baldwin's voice is so much brighter than every performer who preceded her, and this proves to be the key to making Ribbons soar. Take a cue from Baldwin and go for Sunny, not Husky. Take the someone whose arms you're in. Hold on to her tight and spin. And one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Wow! I'm dancing! Floating through the air. Can't you be a little more aesthetic? Don't you think my dancing has a polish and the flair? Uh, the word I think I'd use is athletic. Well, my heart is about to burst. My head is about to pop. And now that I'm dancing, who cares if I ever stop? Look, everybody, I, Cornelius Hackle, sport, I am dancing. Dolly pulling on the heartstrings of young lovers conjures up another Jerry Herman musical, the little-known Angela Lansbury vehicle, Dear World. If you've never heard Lansbury sing Kiss Her Now from Dear World, well, it's high time you got a taste of it. 
Before you half remember what her smile was like Before you half recall the day you found her Kiss her now while she's young Kiss her now while she's yours Kiss her now while she needs your arms around her For if you let a moment come between you now It soon becomes a day, a year, a lifetime Blink your eye, turn your head And you've lost her is obviously more lighthearted than Kiss Her Now, but there's a shared spirit of mentorship here, this concept of a wise maternal figure who's always there to tell us what is best. A few queries. How is it Lansbury never played Dolly? How is it Christine Ebersole never made an appearance during the most recent revival? And how is it Roger Bart never played Cornelius and or Barnaby? He was a replacement for Tom Sawyer in Big River, learned that this week. But when it comes to Dolly, Bubkiss! Do I have to do everything around here? Sheesh. Oh, by the way, no big deal, but Jerry Herman wrote the title song for Barney's Great Adventure, and it was performed by Bernadette Peters. We will be hearing a bit of it during this week's ephemera segment. Rest assured, it's called Barney the Song. Before the parade passes by, I'm gonna go and chase Saturday's high life. Before the parade passes by I'm gonna get some life back into my life I'm ready to move out in front I've had enough of just passing my life With the rest of them, with the best of them I can hold my head up high For I've got a goal again I've got to drive again I'm going to feel my heart Coming alive again Before the parade Passes by Look at that crowd Welcome to the 1964 Tony Awards where everyone has parade fever. In this corner, we got Hello Dolly and Before the Parade Passes By. And in the other corner, we got Funny Girl and Don't Rain on My Parade. Which of these is the better song about a parade? The answer is, of course, Don't Rain on My Parade from Funny Girl. Ding, ding, ding. You got knocked out, Dolly. Ironically, Before the Parade Passes By only really zings when Streisand is at the helm for the purpose of the movie. I'm not over here saying I dislike Before the Parade Passes By, but it's trying to be as much of a blockbuster as put on your Sunday clothes. And competing with yourself can be a tricky business. Do not hate me because I am beautiful and also speak the truth. I actually experienced a startling premonition while listening to Before the Parade Passes By. This will absolutely come to pass. Make no bones about it. 
Meryl Streep will play Dolly Levi if we ever get another film adaptation. The true mystery is Horace. Who is destined to play Horace to Meryl Streep's Dolly? I would have loved to see David Hyde Pierce on the big screen again, but that's a preference, not a premonition. Who is destined to play Horace? As always, my DMs are open. En route to wake next morning, I helped a lady cross. The lady was, you guessed it, the mother of the boss. The boss said, you're promoted. I need you at my side. And then I met the boss's daughter, and I wed the boss's daughter, and quite suddenly she died. I bought myself an acre, a silo and a steed. All Yonkers started buying my grain and hay and feed. And now I've half a million. But proudly I confess That in my pocket is that penny Yes, that shiny little penny It's that penny that's the secret of my success Pocket was written for and eventually cut from the original Broadway production of Dolly, though it made its way back into the fold for the 2017 revival, hence the clip we just heard. My take on Penny is if you can't give it to someone like David Hyde Pierce, someone who can spin straw into gold, don't bother including it in your production at all. The song simply isn't funny on its own and reads as a diversion, like we're being distracted while a calamity is resolved backstage. Oh shit, Miss Midler got her foot stuck in a bucket of crab apples again. David, quick, get out there and do the penny routine. This is a total nitpick, but Horace's status as a widower is played for laughs in this song, and I don't understand why it's being played for laughs. Dolly's a widow, and we're not playing up her loss. She routinely has conversations with her late husband as a way of managing her grief, but Horace is over here like, ha ha, my wife died. Hold for laughter, hold for laughter. The laughter ain't gonna come, trust me. Barnaby and Cornelius All the guests of Mr. Hackle are feeling great and look spectacular What a knack there is to that Acting like a born aristocrat We got elegance If you ain't got elegance You can never, ever carry it off
and motherhood are the only opportunities an actor playing Irene has to show off their comedic chops. So make them count. I'm talking to all of you directors out there right now. Give your Irene room to develop some surefire bits, alright? Do not leave them out to dry and make them wish they were playing Dolly instead of Irene. You've been warned, directors, and I am watching you. I am watching you, watching you. What about Minnie? What about Barnaby? Who? Hello. Dolly is a smidge overrated and a tad, just a tad, overlong, okay? I forgot how Hello Dolly is preceded by the waiter's gallop, an extended dance sequence which itself clocks in at like four to five minutes. It is quite indulgent, and by the time Dolly shows up at the top of that goddamn staircase, I'm already kind of worn out. Dolly simply has too many numbers vying for showstopper blockbuster status, however you want to put it. I can't be blamed for experiencing a minor level of fatigue. Well, you did listen to four cast albums in a single day, Jonathan. Perhaps your methodology is off. Oh, baby. You are cruising for a bare-bottom spanking, baby. You hear me, baby? I'm not sure if I've told this story on the podcast, and I'm not sure why I would have, but I once learned of a Hello Dolly production where the lyric, You're looking great, Stanley. Lose some weight, Stanley, was delivered as, You're looking great, Stanley. Lose some weight, Stanley. I have no clue who told me about this. It would have been years ago, but it's a mind-boggling choice, right? Do not do that to another actor. They are trying to play Stanley to the best of their ability. We're in the home stretch when it comes to our score deconstruction, but before we continue, I would like to play one of those interview clips with Carol Channing. Why not, right? You only live once. I'll never forget that day. We had colds, we had terrible things, but it didn't matter because what I felt that day was when we started singing Hello, Dolly, and when we built it, and halftime, and half halftime on the next one, and then finally got to Dolly, well, I had to dance it along with it to make it the same thrill to me, which reflects itself in my vocal cords. And the boys 
followed suit, all the Dolly Boys. And we were all, and they were kicking as high as human beings can kick all the time we made that record of that song. And they kicked, and I kicked, and we did the exact steps. And people kept rushing in from the inside that glass wall. And they kept rushing and saying, Carol, you don't have to move around like that. Stay carefully in front of the microphone and don't move. Well, how would that sound? Dolly'll never go. Oh, what's that? That's not the thrill of the number. We're reaching to the third balcony. We're kicking as high as humans can kick. And it went, Dolly'll never go away again. There's no substitute for doing it. It reflects on your vocal cords. And the whole company followed suit. And Lynn Fontaine and Alfred Lunt, the two oracles of live theater as it is today, they were the standard of Broadway shows and how to project a feeling across the footlights and way up to the last balcony. They listened to that record and said, that's the only album that ever captured the energy of the production when you see it in the theater. Uh, now I'm starting to feel like the jerk who hates the song Hello Dolly. I don't hate a single song from this week's subject. Let me be perfectly Bernie Sanders clear, okay? I simply don't believe we need to dedicate this much of our lives to dancing waiters and repeating choruses. Go ahead, call me a joker, call me a fool. Right at this moment, I'm totally cool. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life Sometimes it feels like I'm going too fast I don't know how long this feeling will last Maybe it's only tonight It only takes a moment For your eyes to meet and then your heart knows in a moment you will never be alone again. I held her for an instant, but my arms felt Jack Crowder's version of It Only Takes a Moment from the Pearl Bailey album. He sounds resolute and strong as hell. The 67 cast ran the table. It cannot be denied. It's fitting how the producers took the highest number of Tony wins distinction from Dolly because, as fans of the Mel Brooks show will recall, it includes a direct parody of Dolly's singing courtroom sequence. And what a sequence! The stenographer's joke always tickles me. I missed a few words back there, Mr. Hackle. Right after 
It only. Oh, I apologize, Mr. Hackle. I nearly choked on my own vomit after drifting into a heroin stupor and forgot to write down 98% of what you said. <laughs> Can you take it from the top? <laughs> As a theater director extraordinaire, <laughs> hello, I would make a meal out of that throw to the ensemble. You better believe I would make it pop like RC Cola. Does any ensemble work harder than a Hello Dolly ensemble? They are all over this thing. My God, they're Huffing it. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. It's so nice to have you here where you belong. I never knew, Dolly, without you, Dolly. Life was awfully flat, and more than that, was awfully wrong. Here's my hat, Horace. I'm staying where I'm at, Horace. Dolly, I'll never go away. Wonderful woman again. I'm convinced the finale sequence from Hello, Dolly is Broadway's first canonical mega-mix. It's all of our favorite hits from the 80s, 90s, and today. Surprisingly, the 2017 album does away with this dynamite medley and ends right after Horace and Dolly reconcile. No additional reprises? I was positively mystified. Did you run out of studio time? Did you run out of money? You can be honest with me as long as you provide an apology. But we're not quite done yet. Uh, uh, let's tuck in with Mary Martin's version of So Long, Deary, shall we? I'm gonna learn to hoochie-coochie and smoke a cigarette. I'm gonna as far away from Yonkers as a girl can get. And on those cold winter nights, Horace... You can snuggle up to your cash register. It's a little lumpy, but it rings. Don't come a knocking, I'll be all dolled up and singing that song that says you dog. I told you so. So, Horace, you will find your life a sad old story. When you see a dolly shuffle off to glory, oh, I should have said so.
I wanted to include this because, for one thing, I skipped over So Long, Deary earlier and wanted to ensure it received some love. For another, I didn't buy the London album that features Mary Martin because you can only purchase individual tracks via Apple Music, as opposed to buying the entire album in one fell swoop. I think they were charging $1.29 for every fucking track. That's ridiculous, right? Ridiculous! Sure, I could have listened to the album via Spotify, but I cannot with the Spotify ads anymore. They have the worst commercials in the world! Those commercials are a curse from hell. No thanks, Spotify. We also need to hear from Miss Ethel Merman, so let's get a pair of clips from Love, Look in My Window and World, Take Me Back. Let's talk about old times. Love, pull up a chair. How I miss your friendly smile. Love, look in my window. My slice of life a little thin, haven't I, Ephraim? I've been on the outside looking in, haven't I, Ephraim? Well, from now on, Ephraim, all that's going to change. The world is full of wonderful things, a bushel of Wonderful things for me to believe in. So, world, take me back. I wanna be part of the human race again. And bid. These songs were cut before Dolly opened and reinstated once Ethel Merman joined the cast. I was going to say they sound awfully derivative, but then it hit me right. Dolly was written with Merman in mind, so of course these songs would conform to her vocal style. But did we really need three numbers, three, where Dolly does little more than talk to her dead husband before the parade passes by, gets the job done? Anything on top of that is clearly meant to feed Merman's ego. No offense, Miss Merman. Now, normally this would be the point in the show where we hear from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee, and I will just say that I love 5678 Coffee. I've been sipping from a mug of it all damn day. Yes, that's right. But our Patreon donor, Jordan, recently moved up. That's right. They moved up to the $3 a month tier, and so Jordan deserves a musical shout-out. Oh, that's true. Let's take it away, musical shout-out. Hey, 
Hey, buddy, come here for a second. Come here. No, no, no. Don't you walk away from me. Don't you walk away from Rizzo. No, no, no. You come here. You having a good time? You having a good time at the carnival? You eating your corn dogs, huh? Hey, you going on the Ferris wheel and the tilt and whirl and the loop to loop? Well, I hope you're having a lot of fun because I'm over here having the time of my life. I'm just over here laughing at you. You know what I'm saying? I'm laughing over here with all of my pink ladies because you, my friend, are a fool. We've been hearing all these nasty little rumors you've been spreading around the carnival. Okay, everyone's out here because of you. Because of you. Because of you, mister. Don't you walk away from me. I will stab you with my penknife. This may look like a lipstick, but it is actually a penknife. I will stab you in your gallbladder. You stay right there, you motherfucker. You think you can walk away from me? I don't think so. I don't think so. Everyone's out here saying, I trade kisses for dollars, for dollar bills, and it's all because of you, you fucking rat-faced motherfucker. You're walking around here saying, I trade kisses for dollars, and that it all started with poor little Jordan. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Jordan is 300 times the person you'll ever be, and Jordan does not trade kisses for dollars, okay? Don't you open your mouth. You can shut the fuck up. Oh my God, why are you still talking? Shut the fuck up, okay? Okay? Stop telling people that we only got Jordan's money because I traded their dollars for sweet, sweet kisses. My sweet, sweet kisses. You're so jealous. You want my sweet, sweet kisses. That's what you want. But you're never gonna get them. And it ain't true, okay? Jordan ain't that kind of a person. Even if I was the kind of a girl who would trade dollars for sweet, sweet kisses. You are so jealous, you rat-faced motherfucker. Who would give you a sweet, sweet kiss? Even if you had a million dollars. Oh my God, and even if I did, even if I did trade a kiss for a dollar, who are? Who are? Who Bad girls get what good girls... Well, let me try that again. Shut the fuck up. Uh Uh-uh. You're gonna give me a mulligan on that one. Okay, take two. Bad girls get what good girls are too afraid to snatch up. And good fellas, you know, good people like Jordan, okay, could do a lot worse than a bad girl like me. There are worse things they could do than trade kisses for a dollar or two. Even though they never would, says we shouldn't when I say should. I won't be here feeling blue, cause there there are worse things they could do. Don't you fucking walk away from me while I'm singing. I'll stab you in your dick. They could gouge out both my eyes. Chew them up like bubblegum as I cried. Spit them out and fly to France. Leave me in a sightless trance. Yeah, that sure would leave me blue. That is one thing they could do. Pretty grisly imagery, am I right? So stop spreading rumors about my fucking Jordan, okay, you motherfucker? You rat-faced, you rat-faced, greasy motherfucker. Also, I hope no one objects to my using gender-neutral language in my song. I may be bad, 
but I ain't insensitive. Unlike you, you motherfucker. I will cut off all your goddamn toes, and I will fucking string them on a fishing line, and I will wear it around my goddamn waist like a goddamn gotta belt. I will fucking attach a coin purse to it, and I will pass out nickels and dimes to all the children at this carnival. And when they ask me, what's that on your fucking belt? I'll say, it's your goddamn friend's toes. Your goddamn big man over here. Your big, you know, everybody knows the big man, huh? Huh? These are his toes. You don't fuck with Rizzo. Okay, go on. Have fun. Have fun. Watch your back. Don't you fucking say a goddamn word about my Jordan. You motherfucker rat-faced fucking twink. I will kill you. Final thoughts regarding Hello, Dolly. I couldn't give two flying flips about the story or characters of Dolly, but no one is going to a production of Dolly in search of a substantial narrative. We do not need it. We are not asking for it because the score is all we want, even if it is a bit overstuffed. What Hello, Dolly needs as it nears its 65th birthday is a high-profile production that employs a truly diverse cast. In the 1960s, we only seemed to be comfortable with black people appearing in Dolly if they were a part of a company that was entirely black. It reminds me of the all-black revival of Guys and Dolls, which we have covered here on the podcast. And the 2017 revival never featured a star, someone starring in the role of Dolly Levi, who wasn't white. So come on already, open this show up. We still seem to be operating on the idea that Diverse equals one person of color for every 10 to 12 white people, and I'm sick to death of that shit. Now, as a reminder, in 1964, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Hello, Dolly, and the other nominees that year were Funny Girl, High Spirits, and She Loves Me. Funny Girl is more successful when it comes to offering up a great score and a great story, a great book, so I'm going to have to go with Funny Girl. I think Funny Girl should have won the Tony Award for Best Musical. A very good decision, Jonathan. I agree. Let's rank the show. I'm going to put Hello, Dolly at the number 14 slot on our list. That is between number 13, Guys and Dolls, and number 15, Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. And as always, if you want to see how we have ranked all of the shows we've covered against each other, go to our Twitter profile, Musical Man Pod. Even if you don't have a Twitter profile, you can go to Musical Man Pod on Twitter, and you can just click through that pinned tweet. Click through, you'll be taken to a Google Sheet. The second tab is going to give you that full ranking, baby. Show-related ephemera. Okay, show-related ephemera. We're going to start off with a couple of Hardy's ads. I found this first Hardy's ad a long time ago, way before I even started recording the podcast. So this is been sitting in the wings, waiting for its time to shine for quite some time now. This is a commercial for Hardee's from the 1970s. It is a parody of the song Hello Dolly featuring its own lyrics, which I love. It's, this is my favorite form of show-related ephemera. Let's get that first ad right here. We used to eat only fried burgers. They were our choice for a while. We used to eat only fried burgers, but it's time we changed our style and said... Hello, Hardy's, well, hello, Hardy's, we've got chocolate cakes, we're back where we belong. We like your fries, Hardy's, and your fries, Hardy's, all your people, and my neighbors are there. We don't just hear that geek, sit back, see that juice, 
Now this ad includes a pair of sexy hamburgers. I just want everyone to know that. I can tell they're sexy because they're sporting human lady legs. Oh, oh, oh. I have to ask, was it necessary to make sure the hamburgers were sexy, that they had sexy human lady legs? Oh boy. Then, while re-watching that ad, I found another Hardy's ad with a parody of Hello Dolly, completely new lyrics. They, they, wrote, they wrote an entirely new version of this parody. So let's get this other ad from the 1970s right now. Well, hello. Starring the Big Deluxe, a quarter pound of charbroiled beef with all the fixings. The Big Twin, two charbroiled patties, lettuce, cheese, special sauce. And our famous cheeseburger, now playing exclusively at your neighborhood parties. So bring the sisters and baby brother, feed them all for a song, mother. ad ends with three young women lifting their skirts, their Hardy's uniform skirts, to reveal Hardy's buns underwear. So imagine basically like red bathing suit bottoms, like men's red briefs, and in white lettering across the butt are the words Hardy's buns. And they shake their asses in front of parents with small children and the dad is like, <laughs> whoa. Uh, okay, so get a load of these YouTube comments under, this is under this ad that you just heard. Here are the comments. OMG, what an ending. I know for a fact they wouldn't have ran that here, especially the butt wiggling ending. Really focusing on the ending. The word ending is used twice in that comment. Here's another one. LOL, Hardy's buns. We don't get those underwear at Hardy's now. You never did. Hardy's was never Hooters. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh-uh, I saw them in real life. When I was six, I went to a Hardy's and the girls had Hardy's buns underwear. It was part of their uniform. It was real, I tell you, real, real. Shut up. Another comment, oh, that brunette on the left. Wow, what a babe. And then there's a reply to that comment and the reply to that brunette on the left. Wow, what a babe. Here's the reply. Meh. Meh. <laughs> Here's another comment. Where is this place? I gotta eat there. Oh, wait. This commercial would be considered sexist today. Yep. You know we were getting there. You know we were sliding into this boomer territory. Here's another comment. Here's my final comment from this upload. This is why it's a hard ease restaurant. Oops. Forgive my sexism, but guys are human. <sighs> 
Here's another bit of show-related ephemera. Here's Danny LaRue performing Hello, Dolly! in 1987. As you'll recall, Danny LaRue is a female impersonator, a drag artist from the 80s. Let's get that now. does the lose some weight Stanley. He does that bit. So perhaps the story I heard was a play off of this? I have no idea. This performance is so boring and I can't imagine how anyone would have found LaRue entertaining after 20 minutes. He is not even doing anything. He's just walking around and waving. No, see, it's just inherently funny because uh, normally this role is played by a woman and in this instance, the role is being played by a man. Yeah, a man who is doing nothing with the role. As I said before, the Hello Dolly sequence is incredibly long, so if all you're going to do is smile and wait for the applause to roll in, you are begging for disappointment. To think this is officially part of the drag canon really bums me out. Talk about bleak. And finally, as I promised, we can't move on without hearing a bit of Barney, the song by Jerry Herman, performed by Bernadette Peters. Here you go. Herman didn't pull that song out of a literal trunk and change the name Dolly to Barney, right? Why does it sound like Bernadette is trying to seduce Barney while acting as his hype man? This song makes me feel <laughs> gross, and I probably put in way too much of it, so I apologize. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show one for me and three for the lady. Everyone ready? Then away we go. Ha <laughs> ha Well, well, well. Welcome 
to 2017. We have landed in the year 2017, and I am looking at the Tony Award-winning musical that ran for... Oh, okay, so technically, yes, technically Broadway is closed right now, but that doesn't mean that the shows that were running on Broadway have officially closed down. Of course, Frozen just this week announced that it is not going to be returning to Broadway once Broadway opens back up. But as of as of the moment when Broadway closed, this show was running, okay? I, the last time I noted its run, the number of performances it had logged, the last time I noted that, it had logged 1,360 plus performances. Okay, so we're just going to go with that number for now. That show is, you probably know what I'm talking about already, it's Dear Evan Hansen. So that's our subject for next week, Dear Evan Hansen, the show about a boy who lies. <laughs> it should be called The Boy Who Lies. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. You know what? I haven't showered this morning. We do not have hot water. I look and smell like Howard Hughes at the end of his life. I cannot... <laughs> so if you'll forgive me just this one week, we're not gonna we're not gonna go into all of the Patreon incentives. I want you to go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod and I want you to give yourself the rundown. If you've never heard this rundown before, Oh my god, I'm not kidding. I, I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn here. We produce so much additional content, and there are so many amazing incentives for becoming a Patreon donor. And all of the money that we bring in over the next two months is going directly, directly, 100% of it, directly to the Coalition for the Homeless, the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. And the only thing that we need to do specifically in regards to these Patreon incentives this week, we need to make sure that we do our verbal shout-outs, okay? If you donate at least $1 a month, you get a verbal shout-out from me, okay, every single week. So thank you very much, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Mark S., Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you again. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. Look at all those incentives and consider becoming a donor today, even if you just gave $1 a month. That is contributing to the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless Donation, and you are supporting the show, and you're getting so much bonus content, so many great incentives, so please consider it today. If you are listening to the show through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to write a glowing five-star review. We have not received a five-star review in some time. I love reading those reviews, so if you feel inclined to tell us why you love the show, please take that moment, take the moment, seize the day, seize the day, and write a five-star review. You can also stream the show on Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. You can also stream it through Stitcher. It's true. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I love getting emails. Oh, let go of my emails. Email me about anything. Have you seen a production of Hello, Dolly? Have you been in a production of Hello, Dolly? Tell me everything. Tell me everything, baby. You got questions? You got hot takes? I don't care. Give them to me. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny. Ah, oh, you are my rocks. Oh my god, if I was not in contact with you, I would truly feel adrift when it comes to this show. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Uh, uh, you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night.
they say the prime of life hits people all at a different age. Shirley Temple had hit at eight years old. I think I feel long about 84 I'll be, I'll be entering it. 